Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. What is it that Tom Cruise fought for on the set of uh, Tom uh, Top Gun Maverick? Uh, it had to be something crazy, you know, uh, dangerous, like the like flying F-18s he wanted full access. No, he, uh, he fought for Val Kilmer. Oh. He, he was basically saying to the producers, you don't bring him back. We're not doing this movie. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so Val does return as Iceman. I, I think it's a pretty brief moment. I don't think he's in a lot of the film. Uh, he, Tom says, I really rallied hard to have him uh, make the movie. Wow. Yeah. The kind of talent he has. And you see that scene. It's very special. It's just very special. So. Oh, good. I hope, they, I hope they don't release it until it's, uh, well, I'm sure someone's going to spoil it. But the movie comes out in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Well, you'll get to the theater by 2026. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'll wait for it to come out on VHS. Uh, and if you watch it, what was it? Being Val? Is that what the, yes. the documentary was? Very, Terrific. very touching. Yeah, and you, you forget uh, how much great work Val Kilmer did. Uh, right. He certainly was in a lot of movies, and he was a big, big movie star. It's funny, though. You think Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, you think Top Gun, and you think, boy, they must hate each other because of the rivalry sure. between the two characters. Yeah. You forget outside of that. Ah, they might have been friends. Yeah, Tom Cruise is an interesting dude. You know, there's so many people that certainly have had complaints about how, the way he operates on a set and uh, the yelling and screaming of the audio we heard uh, during the heights of COVID, and, and then he'll turn around and do something else. So I guess that's true of all of us. We're all onions, many layers, things going on. Uh-huh. Have you ever, Lucky, shared a toothbrush with Adrian? No. Sarah Silverman and her boyfriend do every day. You and Maria? No, I never. No. I mean, it's funny that we get weird about that kind of things. Meanwhile, we've traveled around our most intimate body parts. Right, true. But we're <laughs> afraid to share a toothbrush. Right. It is gross. Uh, I, no, we wouldn't. I'd go without brushing my teeth. Or I'd use the old finger routine. Oh, okay. If the push came to shove. Now, Sarah Silverman was on The View, and she revealed that her and her uh, live-in boyfriend share a toothbrush. Joey Behar called it disgusting. <laughs> so, Whoopi just looked at the camera and said, you do what you want to do in your house, and then right. went to commercial. <laughs> uh, Madonna is selling something. She's uh, getting into the NFT market. Oh, boy. She's diving in crotch first. Oh, she's auctioning off three NFTs, and each one is a computer-generated video where something different is growing out of her vagina. Right. One's a tree, another one butterflies, the third centipedes. She says, I want to investigate the concept of creation, not only the way a child enters the world through a woman's vagina, but also the way an artist gives birth to creativity. Sure, let's mm -hmm. go with that. Now, on a good side, she's raising the money raised from the NFTs is going to charities focused on supporting women and children around the world. Okay, so, well, that's a charity element to it. If you wanted to, oh, yeah, if you want a viewing of Madonna's vagina, you just have to go back and look at her coffee table book. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. You saw it all. And her lack of uh, upkeep. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 80s. <laughs> Remember there was a photo that was released of Demi Moore. Uh, early in her career, did some nude photos. Okay. And she also in that same camp of the ungroomed. Right. But again, the 80s. Different time. Different time. time. Alfonso Ribeiro, what's something he won't do? 
Oh, probably slap Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> still, oh. still looking for that train to, to cash in. He will not do the iconic Carlton dance uh, if people on the street ask him. Oh, okay. He says on Jimmy Kimmel Live, he says uh, uh, he doesn't love the dance like fans do. He typically gets asked to do it every day of his life, anytime he steps outside. He says, I'm a black guy. I'm not dancing for you. It's not going to happen. What makes you think that you can just ask a random person to dance for you? I don't disagree with him, but, you know, that house that he stepped out of mm-hmm. is a very nice one based a lot on that dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at I guess it could be said of... of uh, like a baseball player or a football hockey player. You know, Wayne Gretzky lives a good life, but he's not playing shinny every time he steps out. Right. You know, or a baseball player's not going to play catch with you. Right. Throw a ball with me. No. And, and I would say, Alfon- if I was Alfonso Ribeiro, I would turn to them and I would say, look, they paid me, uh, you know, half a million dollars an episode to yeah. do that dance. If you want to give me half a million dollars, <laughs> I'll dance for you. Well, fingers crossed the uh, city passes this law to allow us to drink in the park and I can get back to doing what I love doing every day in the summer. Do it legally. <laughs> Just sitting in the park and <laughs> pounding pints. Yeah. Um, well, it'll be city of Toronto and it'll be, you know, some of the, the park areas. And you think about it, they learned this, I guess, through the pandemic is that, you know, a lot of people were holed up in apartment buildings and condos mm. and, and don't have balconies uh, that they can use, have nowhere to go to just, you know, get some sun outside. I guess you can go to patios mm-hmm. uh, and restaurants, but it you know, costs you money. If you don't have a balcony, you don't have that opportunity to just get a little sunshine and a drink in you. Well, look, I, you know, probably if there's anybody who would protest this, it might be restaurants with patios because, yeah, now they don't have to come and sit on your patio to have a drink. They can go grab a bottle of wine and sit right. in the park. And I'm sure patios, you know, it's they got a, they got a three-month window or whatever to, to make their money. So they might not be happy about this idea. But I just think, look, so many countries in the world allow drinks drinking everywhere and we're just so tight tight about it so right. you know well and i think there's a lot of it is the you know the fear that it's going to bring with it you know the the derelicts of society mm. uh that are they're going to hang out in the parks and drink you know ain't the break to you they're already there right well they, right yeah a lot of that's going on already uh and they're just the worry that it's going to be out of control yeah like listen i wouldn't expect that you'd be allowed to bring in a skid full of uh two fours and just sit there pounding them and i would even suspect they might have some rules in place that you can't just be sitting there on a bench swigging a bottle of rye but well i think one of them is the alcohol percentage right right like if you want to have a cooler or a beer you can but Mm -hmm. yeah if you're sitting there with a the bottle. I think there's like an upper, maybe 15% or I can't remember what wine is. So it might be 20% uh, alcohol limitation. Yeah, it, it is funny with the panic, too, because this is the same thing that went down when marijuana was becoming legal. You know, you'd hear people going, oh, my gosh, what about my kids in the park? And then there's just going to be people roaming around smoking weed and blowing it in my kid's face. And I can't have that. And, and none of that is happening. So. Right. Yeah, you just got to be aware, too. It depends probably on the park. Like I would say, you know, if, if you're uh, on a lakeside park and there's a children's play area, you got to remain so many feet away from the play area and that type of thing. Mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and herein lies the problem with so much of what we do is that, you know, we 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 want rules in place, but we want them to, you know, 
charge the people who are acting improperly, mm. right? Like, we're, we're afraid of these news rules coming in because people are going to break them. Well, guess what? If they break them, mm. if you give the penalty that's associated with doing that, people will generally stop breaking mm. that rule, right? And if we're worried about the expense of it, we'll just collect the empties. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> so. You'd probably make but, a mint. But I don't think even if the cops, and it seems like you said, they're going to have more uh, enforcement in the parks to stop from yeah. camping. And But look, yeah. at these people who are living in a tent in a park, you hand them a $300 fine, they're not paying it anyhow. Right. Yeah, well, and I don't, I don't think it's that. I think that it's more, you know, if you got people who are hanging out there and drinking around the the, the kids' mm. uh, playground and you know sitting on the on the swings and and slugging back pints, then you know maybe give them the ticket for that if the, if it's a, if that's what's against the rules. No, there's nothing more fun though than getting loaded and getting on the teeter totter. <laughs> that's a good time. <laughs> you want to up your flirting game? You want to be better at it? Researchers uh, showed a 1,000 college students a list of 40 different ways to flirt and asked which ones they think were most effective. And it depends on two things. What are you looking for? Are you flirting with a man or a woman? And are you looking for something serious or just a one-night stand? All right. And now, is this flirting, I assume it's in person? Yes, I guess so, yes. Not uh, through, because you never know now these days, social media and... Mm. Uh, dating apps and uh, and text and conversations, you, you know, different types of flirting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this this would be in person, and it seems humor is always the way to go if you're trying to attract a serious boyfriend. But if you just want a fling, the best strategy is to be upfront and tell him what you want. Wow, boys can't read a room, right? You yeah, you just got to say, "Hey, want to have sex?" You got to be gotcha. Delivered. You know, yeah. Um. And if you're looking for a, a serious girlfriend, make her laugh, spend time with her. Well, there's an idea. <laughs> I don't know. Be around. Be present. Tell a joke and leave the room. Yeah. Uh, be interested in what she says. Oh, really? Oh, so listening, yes. Yeah, listening. And it's hard, too. Blah, blah, blah. We always want to mansplain everything. We right. always want to jump in with an, <laughs> I got an idea how to solve your problem. <laughs> we always want to put on our cape and be the superhero. True, yeah. Now, if, you, if, uh, if you're a fella and you just want to hook up with a girl, make her laugh, smile a lot, and be upfront about it. This is, this is, the making her laugh seems to really be the thing. Okay. So I pull down my pants, which is a good giggle. <laughs> Can you do something with this? That's your line. That's right. What's wrong with me? If you want a boyfriend, again, make him laugh, be interested in what he says, and spend time with him. So it's, I guess, all basically the same deal. And if you just want to fool around, tell them, kiss them, and, quote, rub up against them. Oh. That sends the message. Very clearly. Yeah. You know, I never, I don't, I don't know that I ever in my life was a flirting guy because, uh, especially just to want to say fool around with somebody, because I was always just kind of a, looking for a girlfriend, always wanted the, you know, serious relationship. Always like being with one person. I, I, I never understood. Uh, maybe I just never had the courage to be like so many dudes who can just date continuously different girls all the time. Right. It was never in me. I was just lucky to have one by my side for a while until she grew tired of me. I, uh, I find it funny when you watch flirting in scenarios where there is no real hope. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you see that a lot. And I don't even know if there's any real intention. I think they, you know... The, the it's dudes are you know obviously the ones I'm talking about because they're so 
damn guilty of it. Sure. But you, you, there's two scenarios. One I haven't seen in quite some time. That would be the strip club um, because I haven't been to one in so very long. But the... Uh, but you'd find guys who would like wave around their dollar mm-hmm. uh, and, and and act like they're Johnny Warbucks in there, like they're, they're Daddy Warbucks, like they're they're absolutely loaded, mm-hmm. and they're and that there's a prospect that something more is going to come of this. She's going to fall in love with of course, you, she always like does. some pretty woman scenario mm-hmm. uh, over all of that. And the other is the beer cart girl, like the the, the scenario of flirting that happens there for a, you know a poor person that drives up hands out beer, mm. and, and takes off. The, um, the amount of abuse in terms of flirting that she must have to put up with. No, dude, I guess see, that's just par for the course. Yeah, oh, look at you with the pun. Par for the course. Ah, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, and you know, and it gets really gross. Because like, sometimes it's older guys, and these girls are like 19. You know, they're, they're, they could be their fathers, you know, these, some of these guys. Oh, for sure. And they think, yeah, because they give them uh, a tip of $2 on a couple of beers, this girl's going to hop into the... Uh, the uh, the underbrush and have a go. <laughs> oh, I know, it's ridiculous. Well, and you don't need to go to the strip club anymore because your hider is a stripper. <laughs> you're, with her, you're with her all the time. I've said this many times. If I uh, ever had another son, I'd name him Fred. I always <laughs> like... Fred Venn? Fred Venn. Well, my great... Uh, well, my grandfather, actually. Uh, my dad's uh, dad was... Frederick Venn. Okay. So, uh, uh, but I always like the name Fred. It's so simple and easy. And uh, it may be making a comeback. Actually, a lot of old school names are becoming trendy again. And we went through that whole phase of, like, sound like soap opera names right. for babies. But, like, old school girl names are becoming popular, like Joan and Mary and Margaret. Wow. Gladys, Irene, Iris, Mabel, Dorothy. Wow. Margaret. Because you had a little, like, a phase where, like, Amelia and Emma and Emily, the, mm-hmm. you know, they started to, to yeah, I guess they may, I don't know if they really ever left the forefront, but they certainly started to come back. Yeah. Names like Edward, Albert, Robert, Arthur, Ronald, Harris, Isaac, Ernest, Archie for boys. Right, yeah. Well, that might be, too, because of uh, Megan and uh, Harry, right? Did right, okay, yes, Archie? they did the same, right? Yeah. Or maybe the comic books. So, yeah, names from like 100 years ago making their way back, which I guess kind of makes sense since uh, in the U.S. they're returning to 1920s <laughs> era values. So maybe maybe that matches. Or maybe we're just romanticizing things from 100 years ago. We went through a pandemic. Right, I yeah. had one in 100 years. <laughs> now we want to name our son Fred. Oh, it's a great handle. Crazy story about a dude. Landing a plane with no flying experience. And now to that miraculous landing at Palm Beach International Airport. A passenger forced to take over the controls after the pilot suffered a medical emergency. Started out. Robert Morgan tells us that he was on his break. As a normal trip. There was a passenger with no flight experience. But I didn't freak out. I knew the plane was flying like any other plane. When the pilot got sick. I just had to keep him calm, point him to the runway. I'm learning to fly. From a guy named Bob. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I didn't crash. Because he was good at his job. It felt really good to help somebody. And he told me that he was going to go home tonight to see his pregnant wife. That's an amazing story. This guy was on a flight in a Cessna from uh, the Bahamas to Palm Beach. 
All right, I already have a problem with this dude. <laughs> and his, what I perceive to be an amazing life. Right, yeah. Uh, anyhow, I guess him and one other person in the plane, and along with the pilot, so three of them, and the pilot does a header, like passes out. And so he's up there, 9,000 feet in the air, doesn't know what the hell to do. Right. It's not easy. We've been up in a, in a Cessna. That was yeah. a, a training flight we did uh, a few years back. And, and you know, just as, as much it, 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 it's got wings, you're, you're doing a lot of manipulation to fly that thing around. Oh, yeah. And there was actually one guy who texted us earlier today talking about it because he had taken some flying lessons. In oh, Cessna's. Adrian did that, yeah. And he said, dude, those those planes, you got to do everything. Right. Like, it's not staying up in the air very long if you're not controlling it. Right. Well, it's a it's basically a kite with a lawnmower <laughs> for an engine. <laughs> a, a, a stiff gust of wind mm-hmm. can really blow that thing off course and, and, and change direction on you up or down very quickly as well, elevation. And, you know, I imagine there's a few winds when you're flying from Bahamas to the Florida. Yeah, I would think so. So it all, I guess everything worked out. This guy, I guess, was bright enough that he was able to think quick. He had no idea where he was in the air. He knew he was 9,000 feet up, and that was about it. Uh, Didn't really even know how to get on the radio. He figured that out, and uh, they got back to him, thankfully. Could you imagine you call in and give a voicemail? It's not that simple, you know, that that you just, uh, you know, get on that radio and start talking. Like, you've got to get the right channels, signals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, who knows what was already preset. But he got a hold of somebody, and then there was a guy named Robert Morgan. And there, a little uh, song there, they called him Bob, but his real name is Robert Morgan. And he uh, he was on his lunch break, just having a sandwich, air traffic controller, but also just happened to be a flight instructor. Ah, okay. So they brought him in, and he just said, look, I got to make sure this guy's calm, and then I'm going to talk him through it. They were able to figure out what plane was his up in the air through uh, radar. And this guy ended up doing a perfect landing. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. It is shocking because, you know, imagine you had to talk someone through driving a car, <laughs> right? And we do it every day. We know what we're doing. But you can get into a rental car and you can't figure out how to turn the lights on. Right. Or get the wipers to go. Yeah. And, and you look at the, even these small planes the amount of dials and controls that they have, mm. uh, you know, that do, I'm sure they all do important things, mm-hmm. but, you know, getting in there, it, it, it's not like a glider where it's just a joystick and that's it. There's a, there's a lot of things to, to check. Now, do you think that in a, like a commercial plane with a lot of passengers, you know, those planes, the bigger ones, have probably got a lot more uh, detailed computerized equipment on board to help navigate and, and a lot of times put the plane in autopilot right. compared to like a Cessna. But I know me as a person, and if the pilot on a big commercial jet did a header, I would not be the one putting up my hand to say, I'll give it a go. <laughs> well, I mean, you know me and my movie watching. Mm-hmm. I've watched Air Force One probably a few thousand times with Harrison Ford. So when he takes over, yeah. I think I can, uh, you know, <laughs> set the altimeter. I can get things going, yeah. with a little, you know, take it out of autopilot and maybe, you know, steer a little bit. Or at least adjust the course of direction with the main computer. So you think you'd put up your hand and hop in? I don't think I would do that. But uh, well, mind you'd be you, like Sully Sullenberg. Well, it could be. Mind you, I, I I don't know because you know the guy who's been pounding back Crown Royals across from me. I don't know if I want him <laughs> as the one who takes control. If I took control, I'd be like Denzel Washington <laughs> with that plane upside down. Rock mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 
94.9 The Rock.